Well, you can open up to the book of Acts. Last week we began the book of Acts. We looked at Jesus' ascension into heaven. We looked at the 11 disciples who remained and the things that were going on with them. And we're going to take a look at the rest of the chapter 1 and getting into chapter 2 here. In verse 14 it says, they, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Much is made of this one accord thing as to uh, what exactly it is. Uh, it's probably not that everybody is, is thinking exactly the same thing. Everyone is in agreement on exactly the same thing because I don't really know a time in human history that's happened with people. But what it probably is looking at is when they're all gathered together, they're all focused on one thing. Jesus told us to go to the upper room. He told us to wait for the Holy Spirit to be endued with power. And so they're focused on this one thing and they're going to receive the power that the Lord has promised them. So they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Uh, it says that, the, uh, that there were women there, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Of course, most of the focus in the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, is a lot of times on the men. Uh, I heard one person who was talking about uh, some of the things that are going on with, with this, that uh, when Jesus gave the exhortations to his disciples about those who would leave and those who would fall away, it was always to the men. He never gave a single one of those exhortations to the women. When he was on the cross, who, was, who mostly was at the foot of the cross? The women. Now, there's a reason for it. It's not just that women are better Christians than men are. The men are the ones who, undercame, who underwent the persecution. If a, if a bunch of women wanted to follow after Jesus, they didn't care because they're not, not going to lead anybody. It's the men that came under the persecution. It was those that uh, came under fire. And that's why Jesus' exhortation was to them, because they would come under the most scrutiny. Mary, the mother of Jesus, well, of course they expect her to be there. The other woman, they didn't see them as a threat. They didn't see them as a problem. But the men, the disciples, they saw them as a threat. They saw them as a problem. And Jesus said, they're going to come after you. And you need to watch out for that. So, but, there's, but to the woman's credit, they all stood right there. The men were, were running away. The women were right there at the cross. And... Uh, Quite a few of them were, were there. And they're here in the room as well. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120. Uh, here, initially, the accounts were around 500 that Jesus gave the invitation to to go to the upper room. Now, these upper rooms were things that uh, they were not, it would not be a room like this. It would be a room with a much higher ceiling. These upper rooms, this is what they, they had. They're fairly common. At first, when Jesus, and this may be the same upper room that they had the Last Supper in, may not have been, there were a number of upper rooms in the city that they would have. At first, it became known as an upper room. It later became known as the upper room. But the upper room does not mean there's only one upper room in the city. Uh, a lot of folks had these, and they would rent them out for, for different events and uh, things of this nature. Men and brethren, these scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David. This is Peter standing up in the midst of the disciples speaking. Which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of all uh, all his entrails gushed out. What this is uh, really depicting here, and I, I don't know the authentic, how authentic this is, but as rumor would have it, 
as tradition would have it. When Judas hung himself, no one wanted to take him down. Now, that's kind of against the Jewish law. They were not supposed to be hung on a tree overnight. But no one wanted to take him down, is what is, is said. So he basically sat up there and rotted until he rotted to the point that he fell. And at that point, because of the, the, the human decay that had gone on, when he hit the ground, he burst open. So uh, that would seem to be in de depicting what Peter is, is talking about here and, and this uh, kind of thing going on. That's uh, a fisherman talking. Yeah, I, all the guts came out. He's, of course, they see that a lot when you're doing fish. You know, you slice them open and... For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages. There was uh, the, the 30 pieces of silver that he had was used to buy a field that they later turned into uh, a cemetery. And it be, Verse 19, And became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is called in their own language, Akel Dama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So Peter is showing a, a fairly good knowledge of the Word of God here, quoting Psalms. And he said, all right, look, remember, this is the same guy who forgot about the third day. <laughs> Didn't remember the third day, but he remembered this one. He pulled this verse out and says, all right, I remember it's in Psalms that they said that somebody was going to betray and that another would take his place. So we need all to get together and to, to do that. Um, they're supposed to be waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. I think one of the hardest things to do is waiting. Just waiting for something to, to come along. How many of y'all know that's a... You're, you're trying to find something to do to fill the time because you're, you're waiting for this to happen and it's not happening yet. So you've got to pass the time in order to get there to when that thing happens. So they're looking for things to do to pass the time. Now, a lot of people pick on them for having gone through this process to pick a person that uh, Jesus picked the first 12. He went away in prayer and came out and picked the first 12 out of all the ones that were, that were there. Uh, but Jesus is not around. There are some people who pick on them that, well, they should let God pick the, the one. Well, they weren't around. And the Psalms said that they would be picking one. So I don't fault Peter for, for picking this. There are people who think that Paul should have been taken. In fact, uh, one of the persons that I learned a great deal off of, of my life, and uh, he was actually teaching on this and said that he made a mistake, uh, they made a mistake, and that Paul, they should have waited until Paul came along. But Paul could not have fit this ministry because he did not see Jesus. He was not around with Jesus during the time of ministry. He was not around when Jesus appeared. He saw Jesus afterwards, but he did not see them during this time. So I don't see that Paul qualified. Paul became an apostle. He was called by God to be an apostle. But they needed to find someone who would be a witness, a disciple, a witness of the things of what Jesus did, which is what these 12 were supposed to do. So I don't fault them for that. What they did do, though, was they took from the group of people that they had at their disposal, and here's their qualifications. We needed to go from all the way back from the baptiz baptism of John, from the day that Jesus was baptized, in the river by John, and when he was taken up from us. So apparently, not only the twelve followed him all this time, not only the twelve forsook all and followed after him, but there were a number of others. Out of that group of them, they picked two. Now, 
again, this is the same group of people who they picked deacons. How many of y'all know they did a pretty decent job? They got some good deacons. They got some guys who went on. Stephen went on to do some things. I heard somebody speaking about this, uh, kind of intrigued me, that uh, when uh, Stephen was a, a dynamite guy and Stephen would have gone on and done all sorts of things for the ministry, and the devil got him. He, uh, you know, he, he got rose up men and, and they, they stoned him and, and Stephen was taken out of action. He was. He was taken out of action. There was a lot more things Stephen probably could have done, but he was taken out. He became a martyr. And other things came about it be, because of that. And he, uh, you know, remember he was stoned. Remember who was standing there when he was stoned? Paul was. So they uh, made a comparison. I hadn't really thought of it, but this way. Uh, Satan said, all right, you want to get one of mine? I'm going to get one of yours. <laughs> And he went over and got Paul, recruited him right from the, because uh, he, was, he was on the team of the devil. I thought, well, that's an interesting comparison. He, you got Stephen, I got Paul. And uh, I don't know, with, they, they went on to make comparisons that Stephen's ministry would have been like Paul's. I don't know if that would have been the case, but it's interesting stuff to think about. But anyway, they did a nice job picking out the deacons. And no one picks on them for picking out the deacons. So we don't know who they had to pick from but they picked these two and of course this the the, the uh, summary is well because these people didn't go out there and do anything they obviously messed up well we don't really have anything in the word of god of most of the disciples going out and doing anything but we do have in history and we went over the history last time of some of the things that they had gone out and do and in the bible we don't have really these guys mentioned again either of these two but Matthias, it seemed, had gone on. There's some indication that he went on to one of two countries. There's some evidence that uh, points to, to uh, two different countries that he had gone to and preached the word to, and then even came back to Jerusalem and may have died there as a martyr. Other accounts have him dying as an old age, but they do have his, he did leave his mark on things. But so did the other guy. So did Justice. Justice also in history. There are evidence that he had gone different places, and had been ministered in different places. If you want to see where these guys were, uh, I looked them up on uh, different things online. You can look at the, uh, what's it, what it called, Wikipedia? They had some interesting things. They just pulled some stuff from history. You can go up there and take a look at that stuff. It's, I don't know how factual it all is. It's a lot of hearsay. There's a lot of things that are, are said. Uh, for Matthias, they put some really crazy stuff in there about him. I mean, after a while, it just get, you get to, really? Did this really happen to him? They had him drinking deadly poison and not dying. And then he went around in the prison and prayed over those who had also drunk in the deadly poison and had become blind from it. And he prayed over them and they got healed. Uh, whether all these things had gone on, it went on beyond that as, as well. That was Matthias. Uh, so th to understand, when they picked these guys, they weren't duds. They, they, just because we don't have a mention in the book of Acts doesn't mean they didn't go out and do anything. They apparently did go out and do some stuff and they were going out into places that they preached. We went over the other 11 last time. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show with us these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, in the Old Testament, this is how you pick things. This is how you sought after God. You had a couple of choices. You got it down to two, three choices, and you cast lots. And you see what happened. And God would show you by casting of lots how that would go. Remember, that's how Achan was picked in the, in the Old Testament. Who sinned? Well, we, you know, we cast lots for the tribes. We cast lots for the families. We cast lots for 
Uh, they went right on down until they came to Achan, and they just said, what did you do? <laughs> and then he told them what it was that he did. Well, that's what they did in the Old Testament. But we're in the New Testament now, and we don't cast lots for things. The Holy Spirit is the one who's supposed to teach us some stuff, show us some things. But they're not in that area. It may be, have been better for them to have waited for the day of Pentecost to have fully come and then pick the successor. But they didn't. And we don't know that they necessarily got the wrong guy. Nothing is really said to exhort them that they made a mistake or that they did right. But here we see that Peter takes the lead. He gets people going on this. This is what Peter's personality is. This is the kind of thing that he does. They, looked, or they laid out what the qualifications were. And they took from all the ones that they had. And they picked two. And they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven. What I wanted you to draw your attention to was uh, justice. More so than Matthias, I wanted us to think about justice for a while. I was in the shop, we were doing some planing and some things, and I hadn't really thought about this until this morning. I was kind of mulling over some of these things that were going with this, and I thought, what about justice? Now, now think about this. Justice was with the disciples, according to Peter's words, from the day of the baptism of John the Baptist until the day that he was taken up. That means that justice was around and Matthias was around when Jesus picked the twelve and was passed over. And then he comes to this, this part and he's got another shot at being in twelve. And guess what? He is passed over again. How would you respond? Is it not easy for us to begin to think that I've been so faithful? I left all. I left as much as Peter. I left as much as uh, I left all. And they, and Matthias, he got, I mean, somebody had to get picked, <laughs> right? Matthias got picked. I saw an argument that Matthias, uh, I don't know how, how successful it is, but there's actually uh, uh, one of the uh, ancient church leaders made a case that Zacchaeus is Matthias. I'm not quite sure about that because I don't see that Zacchaeus was around from the day of John the Baptist or from his baptism in there, which is what Peter said was the criteria. But anyway, there is a, if you do go and you uh, look at the Wikipedia thing, you will see that. So Judas, Justice was, a, was with Jesus at the first selection. He was with the disciples at the second selection. And he has passed over both times. Now, if you... I'm sure there's a whole lot of people who were disappointed at the first election, but he was only going to take 12 and all the rest of them still decided to follow. And he followed and he was faithful and he did all that time. He was doing stuff. And then here we go. We're going to pick somebody. And just this thing, my name got picked. They, they picked me as a possible one. And then we drew lots and God said, nah. <laughs> what would you do if you were, if you were justice? You could uh, think that God doesn't like you. Well, I guess God doesn't like me. He didn't pick me before. He didn't pick me now. I wonder why I'm even following. You can decide to go where they really appreciate you. You could become bitter. All kinds of things can go on in your, in your mind if you were justice. And how many times have other Christians been in a position where justice was, where people passed us over? Where we've served God, we've been diligent, and people passed us over. We've said this to you before, but what we do, we do for God. Mm -hmm. We serve God, 
by serving people. If we ever lose sight of that and begin to serve uh, serve people instead of serving God by serving people, then when people disappoint us, we decide to stop serving people. We decide to get rid of that attitude of servant. And then we get messed up. Don't lose that attitude of servant. We are servants of God. We serve God by serving people. And what we're doing, we do for God. Don't ever lose sight of it. Justice had to keep his sight. I'm doing this for God. doesn't matter about everybody else. I'm doing it for God. We do what we do for God to serve him and secure our future. We are working for our own future. Because what we do down here determines where we go and what we do up there in the next kingdom. I put this in your outline, but at some point we are all tempted with the approval of others. At some point we all get to that spot where we begin to think, hmm, I would like other people to approve what I'm doing, to see what it is, to recognize what I'm doing. Now this has shipwrecked a number of people in the Bible and countless others in history. But there are people in the Bible that we can follow who began to look at the approval of others and saw people approve if I preach this message. People approve if I accept this in society. People approve if I go this way. And they want that approval. And so they leave what they should do to accept the approval of men. There are others who are completely resistant to it. John the Baptist was not, he did not go this direction. He saw there were things he could do to receive the approval of men. If he just would have overlooked this sin of the king with the brother's wife. But could John do it? No. But John, you'll be much more popular with the king. Things will go better with you. If you just overlooked it, you, this way you can do good with all the other people. Just, no, he didn't do it. He, he stuck with it. Elijah, I mean, just come on. Just overlook some of these things. Just, just don't worry about it. Jeremiah, stop saying all the... But we, the approval of men is there. We need the approval of men. We've got to make sure that we don't, don't do that. Now, don't be obnoxious with it either. Sometimes people get the idea that, well, this is God, and if everybody hates me for it, that's fine. Well, Jesus grew in approval, in approval, favor with, with God and with men. There are some men, of course, that uh, hated him even more. But just... Just know, don't try and make yourself stink to other people. But as you hang on to the things of God, some people are going to not like you and not see you as popular. So this seeking the approval of others shipwrecks some people. False doctrine, weak teaching, and feel-good preaching become attractive to some. And stand up for it. Don't go after it. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now the day of Pentecost was a feast for Israel, it came 50 days after the previous feast. The first season is the small 
I, I, wrote, I wrote this down about it. I wanted to read this to you. The first season is a small spring harvest followed later by the main harvest that occurs in the fall. The spring harvest is very small compared to the large fall harvest that begins during the days of the unleavened bread and ends by the time of Pentecost, also called the Feast of First Fruits and the Feast of Weeks. The latter name reflects how the time of this feast was derived by counting seven Sabbaths occurring seven weeks. The term Pentecost is derived from the Greek language that means count 50. So seven weeks, 49 days, the next day is Pentecost, 50. So seven weeks of seven days. Seems like we heard that term before. Hmm. But you had the this this feast. So what would happen was between the um, uh, the the, uh, the Passover and the Pentecost, they were working on the on the the harvest. They were working on getting the plants growing and, and things like that. And then the harvest would come at the time of Pentecost. And so you would bring those first uh, first things first a part of the harvest. You would bring that as part of your offering to God. And they were all. Uh, many of them would come out to the city of Jerusalem for this particular feast. So all this time, God is training up his people that on the Feast of Pentecost, go to Jerusalem. For all these years, hundreds of years, thousands of years, from the giving of the law until the time of Jesus, they would go over Pentecost, go to Jerusalem. Pentecost, go to Jerusalem. For all these years, they've been trained about this, this way. And Jesus did it all for one particular day. All of the feasts point to something that would happen and got their anticipation up for it. This one got their anticipation. They, didn't, they weren't quite sure what was going to go on. In fact, the church age was a mystery. But they knew some of the things that were to go on. And so they kept looking for it. But we were to come to Jerusalem. So they came to Jerusalem. And it says when they came to Jerusalem that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Understand this, there was no wind. There was no wind on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit did not blow into the place. What happened was there was a sound as of. When a tornado comes through, we say it sounds like a train. Is there a train? No, there's no train, but it sounds like it. That's the closest thing we can get to that it would sound like. We say it sounds like a train. What they're saying is the sound that was made when the Spirit filled the place was the sound of a great and mighty wind. How many have ever heard the sound of a great and mighty wind? It's a sound that will attract attention. He went on. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven. It was sudden. It was not a buildup. It was sudden. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. What filled the house? The sound filled the house. If you hear the sound fill a house, what are you going to do? <laughs> You're going to go to the sound. What is that sound? What's, what has happened? We want to find out what has happened. And so people who were already gathered into Jerusalem for what? The Feast of Pentecost 
heard the sound and the sound drew them to the place where the spirit was being poured out. That's how God set it up. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. The uh, word here divided, the language actually is talking about the hoof as it's, you know, you've seen the hoof of an animal as it's split. It's that kind of divided. Tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were all filled. Were they not, were they, did they not have the Holy Spirit before this? Did Jesus not put the Holy Spirit upon them? He was upon them, but now something was going to change in this. I heard an example some time ago that how many of you have ever had a job at a place and where you worked did not use all that you could do? You had more talent and ability than they were using you at the particular time. So they had you in the place, but they were not using you to your full capacity. It's much like that. They had the Holy Spirit, but were not using the Holy Spirit to his full capacity. There are Christians that are born again today that have the Holy Spirit, but are not using him to his full capacity. So the Holy Spirit came upon them. They, began, they filled them, and they, were, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I already filled this in for you, but what comes is not a wind, but a sound. When the sound occurred, a multitude gathered. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They were in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation. They had come from all over. Every nation had come. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So these were Jews. They came from other places in the world. They came for Pentecost. They were in other places in the world, which meant they probably spent, so spoke their language and the language where they were. And so when they heard these guys speaking, they heard them speak in their language. The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. I put this in your outline for you. You don't have to fill this in. But their speaking in other tongues did not draw the crowd. But when the crowd came because everyone heard them, but the crowd came because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So because the crowd came when they heard the noise... Then they heard them speak in tongues, and they heard them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all those who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So some of these people were actually born in these other countries. They were Jewish descent, born in these other countries. So they spoke these dialects. They spoke these languages very well. They were born there. You speak it differently when you are born there. When they heard it, they said, this is amazing. These guys 
don't know the language, but they are, we're, we're hearing it in our own dialect. We're hearing it. They got the accent right. They got the words right. It, how did they do this? They're just from Galilee. There's no schools of language in Galilee. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. They said that mocking. They did not say that because it resembled it. They said it in a mocking tone. I put this in your outline. Very few times are people moved by the Holy Spirit referred to as drunk in the New Testament. Very few times are people moved by the Holy Spirit referred to as drunk in the New Testament. In this particular time, they are referred to it, but done so as a mocking. You don't need to act drunk to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, when Jesus was moved by the Holy Spirit, no one thought he was drunk. When he spoke by the unction of the Holy Spirit, no one accused him of being drunk. They were afraid of him. There was power about him. The people, when he spoke teaching by the utterance of the Holy Spirit, what did they say? He teaches different. He teaches as one having authority. When Paul came into a town, they didn't see him as drunk. They saw him as teaching, healing under the unction of the Holy Spirit. They saw power. He said, I first came in with persuasive words. Then I learned I need to come in with power. He came in with the power of the Holy Spirit. But they did not accuse him of being drunk. This is a mocking tone, is what they're saying. Well, they're probably just drunk. Now, this is the attitude that the world has. Think about it this way. They all want evolution. What is evolution? Well, this all just kind of happened. Just kind of went bang and people came out. Complex people with brains that we can't duplicate, with blood that we can't make on our own. Uh, very complex. We can't even make an arm and have it be, be real. It, it's a fake arm. It's, it, all right, well, we can do a lot of the things that the other one did, but not everything. And it's not actually part of the body. And uh, we, There are a lot of limitations that we, we have with all that. We can't quite duplicate it. But this is that same kind of an attitude. Well, they don't know what they're saying. They're just drunk and it just happens. They'd be coming out perfectly. No, no more than if you set off a bomb in a junkyard that a Mercedes would come out of. That's not going to happen. But it's the same kind of attitude. It's a wrong attitude. It's not an attitude that we should be having. So others mocking said they are full of new wine. But the rest of them, whatever could this, they don't know. What does, what does this mean? Why are they coming out and speaking in languages, in our languages? These are men who don't know our languages. These are people who don't, you didn't learn it. But here they are speaking it. Here they are coming, and, and they're seeing them all over. Oh, well, this one's speaking mine. This one's speaking mine. And the Word of God tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that sometimes we speak languages of men, and sometimes we speak languages of angels. In this particular instance, what they're speaking is languages of men. They're not speaking in tongues as the language of heaven or language of angels. They are speaking in languages of men. It is not so much that one person is speaking and everyone is hearing in their own dialect. It is out of all the people that were up in the room, 
One would come out speaking one dialect, one would come out speaking another dialect. And if you don't understand a dialect, it just sounds like noise. But if you hear the words that you understand, you kind of hone in on that. And you can hear that. Wait, that one over there, I know what they're speaking. And of course, whatever message they're saying, they're saying or, or uh, ordained by God. God has given them the words to say. God has given them the message to say. And the people are hearing this. Oh, what's going on? We heard the noise. We all came. We're here on the day of Pentecost. We're, we're, they don't see the day of Pentecost as an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They see the day of Pentecost as a feast that they're supposed to be in Jerusalem for. So they're here in Jerusalem. It has become the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But that's not why they celebrate in these days. And so they came out here. Some of them got to a place of mocking because people who don't understand what's going on tend to mock it. Isn't that what we see with people? I put this in your outline. When the world can't, uh, when the world can't understand a work of God, they view it in light of what they can understand. When the world can't understand a work of God, they view it in light of what they can understand. Things have gone on that God has done. When the world can understand it, they try and take it in the, a form of, well, I can understand this, and then they relate it to that. They're wrong. It's the world. That's what the world is, is trying to do. They're trying to, under, they're trying to get an understanding of it, but they can't understand it in the light of what they have. And so they come up with some weird stuff. We, though, should strive to understand what God is doing in light and revelation, by, in His light and revelation by the Holy Spirit. God does not want you in the dark. When God has a movement, when God is doing something, we should understand what He is doing in His light. And this is what we're going to see that Peter is going to do here in the, in the next verses. Peter's going to get up and he's going to quiet the folks down. All right, we had the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. We had the noise. We had the sound that came out. We had the speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And now Peter wants to get up there and explain these things. And he says to a man and brethren, these men are not drunk as you suppose. You might be thinking that they're this way. You might be mocking and saying that these kind of things are going on. But that's not what's happening. And he begins to explain what it is that's happening. Whatever God wants to do, he wants people to understand it. If God is going to have a work in your life, He wants you to understand that work. If God is going to do a work in someone else's life, He wants them to understand that work. He wants them to know what's going on. When He was going to the cross, how many times did He pull the disciples aside? Look, I want you to understand what is going to happen. And every time He would do that, yeah, 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 we got it. Yeah, we got it, okay. And then when they got to the cross and he was, he was dying, they were perplexed. They were trying to understand what was happening in light of what they knew, in light of what they could grab hold of, in light of what they could understand. And what they could understand wasn't making sense. And so a lot of them got discouraged. A lot of them wanted to, to quit. Peter said, let's go back and go fishing. Didn't even understand it when the tomb was empty on the third day. But God wants us to understand. So he gives us explanation. Before Jesus went up, he pulled them aside and he said, Look, I want you to go back into town. I want you to go to the upper room. When you get in the upper room, I want you to wait. And I want you to 
to know that I'm sending the helper. That helper is going to come upon you. He's going to empower you. And I told you I want you to go out to Jerusalem and Judea, all the parts of Samaria, and then to the other parts of the earth. But I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. I don't want you to do anything until the power has come upon you. Once that power has come upon you, then I want you to go. But until then, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for that outpouring. He explained it to him. God wants us to understand the works that he wants to do. He wants to explain it to us before it happens so that when it's happening, we understand it. And then we go through it with that understanding. That's what, that's what he desires. That's what he wants. Now, many people have taken from this that they tarried, they waited for the Holy Spirit, thinking that, well, we have to tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit too. Only people who ever were told to tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit were these folks. And they were to wait until the Holy Spirit was poured out. Once the Holy Spirit was poured out, there's no more tarrying, there's no more waiting. Holy Spirit's there. You need to, to be filled with the Spirit. But he said, don't go until. The church of Jesus Christ started on this day. This is the day that started the church. The church age starts on the day of Pentecost. The church age starts with a supernatural event. The sound as of a rushing mighty wind. Tongues of fire coming upon each and every one of them. And them going out and speaking a language that they don't understand. They don't know. But as the Spirit gives them utterance, they speak it. The church of Jesus Christ starts with a supernatural event. The church of Jesus Christ ends with a supernatural event. The church of Jesus Christ continues from the day it started to the day it ended with supernatural events, with supernatural help from the Holy Spirit. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power. It's important that you have this power. He said this to the people that he had sent off, the people that he had put out. If uh, I didn't get to mention this to you before, but uh, Justice, the one who was not picked, was actually on a historical list of the 70 who were sent out. He was numbered among the 70. Remember when Jesus commissioned 70 and sent them out two by two? Justice, this guy who was turned down, he was picked. He was on team of 70. He had gone out. He had been one of those who laid hands on the sick. And they recovered. He was one of those that commanded demons. And they went out. And they came on back and said, man, even the demons are subject to us. And what did Jesus say to them? Don't marvel. The demons are subject to you. Marvel that their names are written in the book of life. But these are people who already had supernatural things happening. But he said, Wait until you are endued with power. Brother Hagin used to always tell us, too often people look for the spectacular and miss the supernatural. Too often I think, oh, this is, that's not Brother Hagin anymore, it's just, it's just, just me. 
too often people try to put on the spectacular to make it look like the supernatural. But Jesus did some of the most powerful supernatural things in a very common, ordinary way. How was Lazarus raised the dead, from the dead? Remove the stone. Lazarus, come forth. How was the dead man and the, the, the widow's son, how was he raised? Just opened up the casket and pulled him out. How were the ten lepers healed? Go show yourselves to the high priest. I mean, unremarkable. Just common things going on. How the mass meetings went when they would bring all their sick and they would all leave. I don't know how all those were conducted. We're not told too much about how they were conducted. But the miracles that we do have, most of them don't have an ounce of anything spectacular. When he was at the well with the woman, and he just says to her, you answered right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. Is that pretty spectacular? <laughs> he just says this is a common thing. Just having a conversation here. And the minister to this woman. Sometimes we have been afraid to step out in the supernatural thinking that we're not spectacular enough. You don't need to be a, make a spectacle of yourself. You don't need to be spectacular. You just need to listen to what the Spirit is telling you. Go out and do it. But it was so important that he took these guys, these 120, included the 11, plus the 12 they just picked, included maybe many of the 70 who were sent out, included many others who followed them, who had seen the miracles. Some had gone out there and laid hands on and had done the same things. And he says, don't you guys leave until you are endued with power. And then Peter comes out and gives an extremely simple message. It is extremely simple. But he gives it by the unction of the Holy Spirit and administers to the people that are there. And a couple of people got saved. <laughs> How many got saved? 5,000 people got saved. Yeah. Was there anything spectacular really that occurred with Peter's message? that we can see. It's imperative that we are endued with power. That we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. That on a regular basis we pray in tongues. Speak with new tongues. Igniting that spirit, spiritual power that's on the inside of us. Because it's there. Paul said, I thank my God that I pray in tongues a little bit each day. I thank my God that I pray in tongues more than you all. You got to pray in tongues a lot to know that you pray in tongues more than everybody. <laughs> he prayed in tongues a lot. It helped him. It benefited him. There is a mass of revelation, wisdom, understanding that God wants to pour out into us. Praying in tongues will unlock it. It will unlock it. Whatever it is that you are coming up against, whether it's something in the Word, whether it's something in your life, whether it's something at work, the Holy Spirit will unlock it. Daniel ran into a problem at work. You remember that? It's just a small problem. There's a dream that we seem to be able to answer. 
Maybe uh, come up with what the dream was or interpret the dream. And so because no one could do it, everyone was going to die. It's just a small problem. It was just a work-related problem, right? It wasn't a spiritual problem. It was a work-related problem. What did he do? He went in and pressed. Now, he couldn't pray in tongues then. He didn't have that. And look at what he got. He got the dream and the interpretation. Now, you can pray in tongues. How much more should you get? How much more should you get? If you are facing a dilemma, unknown what to do, you are endued with power. But you got to use it. You got to use it. If it just sits there, it's no good. You got to pick it up and you got to use it. You got to do some things. The power of God sits on the inside of us. And what are we doing with it? Jesus said, it's so important, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem and go about and do the Great Commission until you receive this power. And we've received that power. What are we doing with it? The things that go on, we are to understand in light of God's word. We are to understand in light, in his light. There is nothing that God will not reveal to you. If you can see it in his word, you can pursue him for it. If you can see a problem at work, you can pursue him for the answer. If you have a problem at home, if you have a problem wherever it might be, God will give us the wisdom and the understanding on it. Are you using the power? Are you speaking to our situations? Are you going after it? Don't leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power. It's real important. We've got to have this stuff. We've got to have this power going on the inside of us because God will make you better at everything that you do with the power that is inside because the world does not have this power. This power impressed people in this day so much so that some wanted to buy it. Others were afraid of it. They didn't know what the power was. And you've got that power on the inside of you. Every single day, we should be tapping into that power, praying in the Holy Spirit, speaking with new tongues, praying the mysteries of God. We have that power. We should be listening to the Holy Spirit. He is empowering us. He can speak to us. He can tell us things about what we're doing, how we can make it better, what we can do. We are in the church age. It was begun by the supernatural. It will end in the supernatural. And everything in between should be supernatural. Not necessarily spectacular. Maybe sometimes. But it should always be supernatural. What is God saying to you? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in your word. We thank you for the help that we have on the inside of us that we have been endued with power from on high. The Holy Spirit is not only upon us, He is in us. He indwells us. He fills us. And every day, we go out, we pray in tongues, we stir up that filling that is on the inside of us. We don't let it just sit there. We stir it up. Father, I thank you for the things that you will speak to us the things that you have spoken to us. 
We want to hear from you. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge that you want to impart to us that will set us far above all those that are around us simply because we listen to you and speak the words that you give us to say. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.